Welcome back to another episode of Modern Multifamily. I'm your host, Mike Wolber, and this is episode 17. I had the opportunity to talk with Tony Souza. He is a regional manager with Embry, and he has so much perspective. He's been in the industry for quite some time, spanning roles from leasing agent all the way up to regional leadership. And with this lens, we were able to hit on some really cool and timely topics. We talked through operations, strategy, technology, and personnel. We talked through room within the technology umbrella to drive better product adoption on site. And we also hit on culture and some of the key learnings that Tony is taking with him coming out of the pandemic. This was a super fun conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. Hey, Tony, thanks a ton for joining me today. I'm really excited to spend some time together and also just to get to know you. I'd love to start off with a little bit of your background and story, knowing that I've got a ton of questions coming for you in terms of how you got to where you're at today. I took an unconventional way to get here. I I thought I'd be a TV journalist, and then uh, that didn't work out. I thought I'd be an actor. That didn't work out. I thought I'd be a a substitute teacher that didn't work out. Thought I'd be a limo driver that didn't work out. So uh, here I am. It worked out. I had the chance to obviously learn the sales floor and of course uh, work my way to where I'm at today. So let's talk through the the early days of pivoting from all of the things into multifamily. You went from actor, I believe it was, to community manager. What was that inflection point? I'd like to think of something more brilliant, but it was it was to pay the bills and to uh, get an opportunity within the industry with a rent discount. I don't think I knew at the time what I was signing up for. And obviously looking back on it now, I feel very lucky and privileged to be where I'm at. But at the time, 20 something, just trying to figure out life a little bit, going from an actor to a community manager. Although there were a few steps leading to that, but nonetheless found myself in multifamily and didn't realize the wonderful business that it is. But But here we are. <laughs> so, so what about the industry for you specifically 15, 15 or so years now has kept you in it? I, probably my story, like many, the variety every day. I, I think a lot of us in this business, especially here on site and out in the regional field, I don't think we want uh, boring desk jobs. And, and so this one definitely every day provides that variety that many of us are looking for. So I was hoping for the beginning of our conversation to either start down this path of on-site operations, or this path of leadership and building a yeah. career in the industry. Of the two of those, is either one more interesting or exciting to you? Operations or leadership? I, I guess one could argue that they go hand in hand. Um, the operational process is obviously a, a process of systems. And if you think in a very sort of pragmatic way, you're obviously going to be drawn to the operation side of things. There, you also have the ability to uh, to make differences, both in systems and processes, and of course, uh, in the lives of people. The leadership come on this leadership run, trying to figure this out as best as I possibly can for my myself and my teams, the science, what does it show? Either you're born with it or you develop it or cultivate it. Uh, it's probably a little combination of the two, but by definition, leadership, there's no path ahead. So you got to be a little crazy to uh, to, to want to be. Able- Let's start with leadership. I'm, I'm curious, outside looking in, you seem to run a pretty dynamic run of show. You seem to carry yourself really uh, professionally, but you also have a heavy dose of fun, I can tell. Uh, I've heard you referred to as the most interesting man in property management based on a video that I think is about 10 years old at this point. Yeah. And don't age me. Right. <laughs> and I'm curious, like, what's what are a couple things that you, you find yourself doing when it comes to bringing the best out of yourself in your work day in and day out? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think everybody that's in this position has to continue to take self-inventory on a daily basis. And I think you have to continue to want to be better and never be okay with, with being mediocre. I think you have to f- want to find new ways to engage your teams, to motivate your teams, to inspire your teams, to inspire yourself, to motivate yourself, and to have fun while you're doing it. That just happens to be a, a byproduct that I think helps grease the wheel, for lack of a better way of saying that, is to enjoy what you're doing and have fun while you're doing it. So I'm not sure if that's a scientific answer for you, but my my answer. I'll, t- I'll take it. Now, what if you flip the script and look at the teams that you're building or the teams that you've managed in the past? What are some of the specifics that you found for you, for the team, for the culture have worked in really trying to bring the best out of these frontline teams that are doing so much for your properties? Yeah, that's a good question. There's definitely, some, in the hiring process, there's definitely, for me, that's where it starts. Obviously, there's definitely some don'ts. If someone's unwilling to change or want to change or has these defensive walls up way too high that are unwilling to listen or try different things, that is just a recipe that, that won't probably work in this environment for me. And that's just not necessarily at Embry, but across my career, just because what I bring to the table for my managers and hopefully what I invite from my supervisors as well is is a, a, a daily challenge of the status quo. And even to, to an extent that sometimes they look at me and think, are you really going to challenge me to think differently on this? And the question they know is yes, of course. And it's just where I live. It, it might have to do some with how I was raised, maybe and where I came from. I'm from San Jose, California, Silicon Valley, entrepreneur capital of the world. So all my friends and peers and college friends, everybody was thinking about how to change the world as I was coming up through school. And I decided uh, to go the acting route. So many of them went technology, marketing, some in operations, leadership, but something I guarantee my candidates and potential managers that I work with that I will, um, I will never allow you to be okay with the mundane or the mediocre, uh, I will challenge you at every turn as I do myself. And I would hope that they would be willing to do that for me as well. Totally. That's huge. You talk about all of these different things that make you know yourself get the best out of you or bringing the best out of others. Do you think that background in acting and, and you said, I think TV journalism and all of these high interpersonal skill type environments set you up at all to to be someone who thinks about that stuff or has that just come through time in the chair over the years i think i think it's just an evolution i think it's just a maturity item as well but also being in these spaces you're surrounded by really highly intelligent motivated ambitious people that are also very creative there's a creative component to to me that I try to utilize in obviously business strategy and business planning. I think sometimes catches managers, even owners off guard in hopefully good ways. But I love to hear the, the feedback from either my superiors or peers like, hey, I, I didn't even think about it that way. I mean, I think that's where your com- you know creative component of your brain can come in if, if you've exercised or at least unleashed it in some ways. And so I try to still maintain that. But at the same time, I try to continue to keep that muscle strong by doing other creative ventures on the side and trying to continue to use all facets of my brain, I think, make make ultimately um, the big picture the most helpful to my teams. Sure. So the past, I'd say six or eight weeks on the on the podcast, I've had several different marketing leaders on the show to really talk through the pandemic's impact on their role, both on the people and technology side, experimenting with different technologies, different strategies, virtual first, all this kind of stuff that's now kind of table stakes here 15, 16 months later. I'm curious for you, the impact that the pandemic at large had 
for you from a culture perspective, what are some of the big things that you had to, you know, pivot over the last year that you may or may not carry into the future? Yeah, I'll tell you, man, it's for me, that's a pretty deep question. The pandemic has changed everything for me, just the way I look at all things, um, the way I look at science, the way I look at health, the way I look at leadership. And I think I've shared this story before. Early on, I was what I call a recovering fear addict. And I had to to find my way through that. And to work through a really large psychological monster takes you takes you through some interesting places. But when you emerge on the other side, the strength and belief and, and confidence in both self and, and what's right and what's not right becomes uh, more than ever, more resolute, more firm, more tangible. And uh, it's a place that I find myself. It's a place that I look to continue to grow in. But the pandemic without that, not that I would wish that upon anybody or any civilization again, but it was a complete game changer for me. And I recently posted something just about emerge stronger, faster, wiser. And if you didn't, it would be a complete missed opportunity. First... I totally agree with what you just said. And I think it's been a big growing phase for a lot of us. And as you reflect on the impact that it had on you and your teams, but also coming out to at least some brighter days ahead of us, are there some specifics that you think you're going to carry into this next chapter of your leadership in terms of things that you're going to do to you know preserve or even evolve culture, or even to make sure that you build a environment like you already talked about of of creating a safe environment where people can disagree, but commit and manage up and manage down and it can be okay. I'm really curious what post pandemic is going to look like for you. Well, yeah, it's hard to know. It's hard to know exactly what the future holds, but what I will tell you now is what we're seeing, Mike. And I think what you're seeing is how companies and supervisors and managers and leaders took care of their companies, their people. Uh, you don't take care of companies, take care of people. I take care of being fiscally responsible as a company, but Ultimately, you're taking care of the people that that work in the organization. You're seeing now, in in my estimation, you've heard this term, the great resignation. I I think it's happening more more often with groups that did not insulate uh, and protect and show that their employees were the most important part of the last 15 months. Employees forgive, but they don't always forget. And so we're seeing it now, right? We're seeing a lot of movement in in every industry, multifamily as well. You're seeing it, I believe, less with companies and potential with different companies and different leaders that really took care of their people in the midst of a crisis. And that is something that I will always remember and currently living eyes wide open right now in real time about what's happening and why people are leaving. And, and I interview a lot of people and a lot of them tell me really concerning stories about um, how certain things were handled or communicated or not communicated in the midst of a potential health crisis that faced our, our, our world, not potential, it, it did our world and our country. So as tangible as that is, what it's taught me is to, in the midst of challenge, obviously a pandemic is a unique challenge. But in the midst of challenge going forward, because we will have them, take care of your both professionally, mentally, and to the best you can emotionally, because they will forever respect you, appreciate you, and ultimately will work 10 times harder for you and the team. And to get that level of productivity is, is not always easy to attain. That's huge. Man, that was such a good answer. I'm curious, like outside looking in and now inside looking in now that I've been in the industry for about six and a half, seven years. It seems like there's this very traditional 
hierarchy that people follow when they join the multifamily industry on the operator side. They join as a frontline leasing agent, they're running sales, maybe they're a leasing manager, a community manager, property manager, regional manager, and you get the story. I, I, <laughs> I, only, live, I live the story. Yes, I understand it. And I can only assume that as a manager in the space that you're you're having career development conversations with people all the time. Yet there's a finite number of opportunities that you're going to have in your organization over the next quarter, the next year, et cetera. And this might be the most loaded question of the day, but how do you find (laughs) yourself handling career mapping and career development in an industry that's as tight knit, but as verticalized as multifamily? It's a good question. Obviously a lot to unpack. I think the first rule of thumb is don't promise anything, but at the same time, I promise everything. And what I mean by that, I can't promise you an opportunity. I can't promise you a job. Oftentimes it's not even my full decision making uh, ability to, to offer you that job. But what I can promise you, and this is what I'm very clear in the interview process, is if you're committed, I'm as committed as you're committed to cultivating you, to grow you, to challenging you, and to prepare you for when that opportunity arises. Now, nobody can guarantee you're going to get it. But what I can guarantee you is if you put in the work, I'll reciprocate the work. I'll help to cultivate you to be ready and prepared to be strongly considered for whatever you want to do. Now, the cool thing is, I'll tell you, because a lot of that can be words to a candidate, right? Yeah, sure, bro. Like, how are you going to really do that? And and to some extent, I never know, but I'm committed to telling them that, but I'm also committed to doing that. But the, the cool thing I'll tell you, Mike, is over the last couple of years, these individuals on our team and, and on the Embry team have been able to really grow into positions and capacities that they've wanted to be in. And it's crazy to think back and they look back at me and they look me right in the eye and said, you had this conversation with me and you said that I would be here and I'm here. I've never experienced that before. And that is cool. And I don't know how you did it. And I remind them, I didn't do it. What I did is I helped them be prepared for whatever it is that they wanted to be. They went out and did it and they got that interview and they went through multiple rounds or whatever they did, but they did it. I just helped prepare and coach them for that moment of opportunity. And if you think about what a great coach in any sport maybe do, may, may do for their players, great players are great players. But what a coach does is prepare you to get you ready for that big, that three-point shot may drop, it may not drop. But if it does, you were well-prepared and you, you took those thousand strokes prior to be sure you had the best chance of that thing dropping. And if it drops, you win the championship. So that's what great coaches do. In my estimation, that's what great coaches have done both in sports in my life, but also professionally that I'm surrounded by. And that's, for me, it's just a pay it forward opportunity for me to them. And they also take a risk in joining my team in the interview process. If I could pay it back and I could make good on my word, that's all, you know, that means the world to me. It's huge. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And I, I think that, it's funny how I think sports analogies can almost always help us meet in the middle and understand. But I, I think what you just said is so spot on. And when we started going down this path, you were talking about the huge emphasis that people have on the operation side of your work. I'd love to almost shift the focus over to the day, the week, the month in the life of Tony, when you're responsible for the, the success of these properties that you're running. And I'm, I'm so curious what you see as the future opportunities in our industry for modernizing, making it more efficient, more effective, this balance of technology and strategy. I know I just word barfed all over you, but as we talk through the opportunity and operations, 
What are some of those kind of top of mind areas where you see opportunity to really tighten as an operator, whether it's it's better leasing behavior or using the right technologies, but not all of the technologies? I'd, I'd love to start a dialogue here. Yeah, obviously there's a lot there, but I think it starts to, and I don't want to overly simplify it, but I, I think it starts with them understanding really their core mission in their position is. Uh, and I think it starts with having that conversation with each position group about what your job is, right? To go back to sports. I just want you to do your job here as a lineman. I need you to block this person. Okay. That's all I need you to do. And so I think from a leasing standpoint, um, and office standpoint, technology standpoint is to, first of all, understand what your main job is. Keep your main job. Okay. And, and doing your main job again, like sports, I'm, I'm, I'm a sports guy, but I'm not like a fanatic. I apologize for all these analogies, <laughs> but good. I'll tell you, I'll tell you in my work experience, but also in my, my sort of recreational sports experience, fundamentals are key. And I think you know that. And I think that resonates with a lot of people that you do the fundamentals right. You do the fundamentals, which are the core baseline of what you should be doing in anything, whether it be good form in, in what you do professionally or good form in what you do maybe on an athletic field. You're going to position yourself now. And <clears throat> the next question then becomes what resources and tools are available to you? to enhance the fundamentals. And then you start going next level with your efficiencies. And, and what, what we see in our industry, and, and, and I'll just be frank with you, is, and I think it's industry across the spectrum uh, of industries, is there's a lot of new shiny tools, a lot of new shiny, uh, hey, we can help you with this. And believe me, on the operation side, every day, pitch something that's going to help me. And, and they all may, actually, the reality is I only have 24 hours in a day and, and eight of which, nine of which I'm working, the other sort of six, I'm raising a family and the other, whatever that is, I'm trying to sleep or rest or eat. So I only have so much time. But the reality is there's so many platforms and tools available. Most of the time, even the tools we currently have in place, and we talk about that internally all the time, we're not utilizing to the full capabilities. And so it's important, I think, for companies and teams, and I know it is for us here at Embry, is to really analyze what we currently have. Are we working? Are we utilizing it to its full? And if we're not, let's go back to the drawing board and really see what, what available tools we have available to us and, and utilize them. And then is there a gap within our business that we can say there's got to be some technology, there has to be some workflow that has to create better efficiencies here? But I'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a categorical zillennial, okay? And I won't even guess what you are, Mike. I may guess just by looking at how nice your skin is and how sure. good your hair is, but I won't say it. But nonetheless, there's this motto out there of work smarter, not harder, right? Obviously, we've all heard this. My personal opinion is, and maybe it's because I ride the line, is work smarter and harder. You don't, if you're working harder than the next guy, you're already winning. And those, anybody who follow The Rock, they love that work ethic. But if you're also working smarter like Mike, you're also going to win or give yourself the best chance to win. So I'm not sure if I answered your question precisely, but I think it's really taking a self-assessment uh, of your portfolio, your operation, and see what tools you have currently available to you. Are you currently optimizing those? And if not, please do. And then find the gaps in your operation to where is it a people resource? Is it a technological resource? Or is it something other that's out there? And it's likely out there. You just have to go find it. You have to find the right partner that works for your company. I think that's awesome. And I totally followed that thread. And I think I'll respond with three quick things. One is that Project Rock Gear is probably a top five for me. I've got a closet full of it. I love the rock. <laughs> I love that you went there. I love this tequila. I'm a huge fan. I got so. the people's elbow. I've been practicing that for a while. Man, that's great. Second thing is that I think product adoption is my... Yeah. 
answer to what I think the biggest opportunity is operationally. It's to maximize that investment what you have today before you go buy something new. And I think the third thing is is to try it manually before you buy the technology. Show me that if you need virtual tours, you've tried them with FaceTime or you've tried them with YouTube or whatever the thing might be. And if they drove the business outcome, everyone's got a different focus and strategy, then maybe it's worth making the pitch and working, making that investment. And that's coming from a supplier. But yeah. those are my three that I interpreted. And you really have to, on that last point that you make, Mike, you really have to create a culture within your company of of willingness and, and, and a want to try new things. Oftentimes the multifamily business, the property management business gets a bad rap. You probably know this rap, it's antiquated, it's older. And it's really come up to speed over the last couple of years, probably with, with great guys like you and others that are really trying to advance our industry. And we appreciate that. And guys like me that are old guys have been around for 15, great, raising our beard. We've been, as leasing consultants, we were like, hey, where's this cool new technology? And, and for me, being from Silicon Valley, California, I was like, wow, things are moving fast in, in this sector. Now, obviously, they're world-renowned for their speed and efficiency and technology. And then I jump into property management. I'm like, okay, paper leases, okay. We're still working that out. But so it's great. It's great to definitely have those. But you have to create a culture. And that's what I tell my teams as well is, listen, technology is not going anywhere. So let's not be afraid of it. Let's embrace it. Let's figure out how to use it. And then if you're a six out of 10, just work your way to seven, eight. That's all I ask. If you're eight, if you're at eight out of ten, then hey, let's start playing with nine, 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 ten area. That's what really gets me excited because I'm probably categorically in that eight range. But I love to be around people that are uh, even more advanced than me. I'm ready for the challenge. That's so cool. So I'm curious if there are any topics or areas that you'd like us to try to jump into before we uh, wrap up today. No, man. I think oh, yeah. Ahead. No, I think our industry is is going the right way. I think we're going the right way. I think. The pandemic has uh, opened up uh, a lot of different ways of thinking, which I think will be key as we go forward. And I think culture is, is going to be to you know continue to be key in how companies grow. Is there anything being a Silicon Valley guy and 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 being in the industry for as long as you have been? Is there any area specifically where you feel like there's still a big deficiency, whether it's on the technology side or more on that? operations and strategy side with the business? I know that's loaded. Yeah. And, and I'm not as, as deep as you are in, in the you know, in the details of the technology, but I, I do think the, the user interface continues to be funky. And, and truthfully, I, I just think that we need to continue to better train our residents on 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 the use of technology can, can amplify, amplify their life and help their life even more. But we have to believe it. Like it, if we're selling it, we have to believe it. If we're, if we're Trying to sell it, we have to, and, and we're trying to believe it. We have to know what we're talking about, and um, and so that just we really have to spend the time on our products and and what we're implementing to really understand and be that subject matter expert that our customers expect us to be. I think we too heavily rely upon guys like you and others to be that for us. You're the entry point for it, but we really have to understand what we're selling, both from a customer service standpoint or a technological standpoint. We really got it. And really right now, we don't interview for that stuff. We, even on the manager side, operations, 15 years, you're in, check. Have you ever composed an email before? Nope, but I've been in, you know, property manager for 30 years. Okay. But the world has changed. And so there's, we're still trying to find out ways uh, to assess aptitude in relevant ways in our industry because we're definitely trending quicker towards more of a technological base um, than we did before. But still, some of the, uh, the hiring practices haven't maybe even caught up to that. And I've found myself in situations as well that I go back and think, Ooh, how could I have better tested for that level of aptitude that I need here? Um, 
know, our industry is definitely still growing there for sure. I think you're right. And I think one of the biggest things in common that we both have, whether you're on the operator or the supplier side, is that I think we both at times can put so much emphasis in multifamily experience and forget about the outcomes we're looking to see in that role. And I think one of the things that's maybe created this like laggard thought process in our space is that we've only hired from within. And I think the more times we realize that we can bring someone in with that skill set of driving on-site technology adoption or whatever that might be, I think there's an inflection point waiting to happen that both you and I are after. Because as a supplier, it's one of the biggest challenges we face. It's right in front of you and you're just not logging in or you're just not using it. Right. So. Right. It's interesting hearing you talk about that because I just, I'm definitely doing a lot of uh-huh, uh-huh on this side. Sure. I figured you could relate to a lot of this on your side of it as well, because you'll probe for, for you have any questions about our platform or anything that we have, anything that you're offering. And right away, if they don't have any, that means they're not, if they're spending time utilizing the platform, they're going to have some questions. They're going to you know want to know more about this or more about that. But how to convince our industry more and more that it's... Uh, you know, it's not a danger zone. It's there to there to enhance the customer experience and also provide efficiencies in your day to day. Is probably if you get that figured out, you're going to be a billion a billionaire. So we're getting there. <laughs> I know well, you hey, are. I appreciate you pushing the envelope for the industry. On that note, I'm curious if you have any curveball questions for me before we look to wrap up today. No, what? Tell me. You've been doing these episodes. You've been doing these episodes for a while now. Anything that has uh, caught you off guard? Anything uh, to where you had to retake a particular answer? That yeah. So this you'll be episode seventeen. I launched this thing late late January, early February. It's been a fun personal passion project for sure. I've had to find a balance of not coming in over prepared, and I found that the best episodes are when I come in pretty raw. When I come in with an agenda that I've pre-rehearsed with the guest, what stumbles is when one of us doesn't nail the agenda. And sure. you, it's probably being an actor, a good actor when they're on script needs to be on script. And if they fall off, they freak. Whereas a great actor, I can only assume they're okay yeah. riffing a little bit. And so right. I'm not a great actor, but I'm definitely trying to become a great host that can make my guests feel comfortable. Sure. And I think my worst episodes have been where I've over-prepared and not let the stream of conscious take over so that we can have a really great fluid conversation. Sure. And there've definitely been some retakes when I've been over-prepared. Sure. Yeah. No. Well, I think I mentioned uh, being a journalist. Yeah. It's this balance of being able to listen, have a structure and a flow that you want to go, but be able to, as they say in the acting business, be present is is key. So. I thought you did a great job today, man. And really, to be honest, honored to be on the show. I've heard you know quite a few of your episodes, and I think you do a great job just keeping it real, as they say, and um, you know really not forcing the conversation. So I enjoyed today. It's a huge compliment. Thank you. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, learn a little bit more about your shop, your take on culture, or pick your brain after today, what's the best way for someone to get in touch? I try to stay pretty pretty off the radar, Mike. Um, just kidding. Probably the, the easiest and best way is, is most of your guests, I think, will tell you. LinkedIn is the, the professional network of choice at this point. Yeah. Anytime you want to know a little bit more, or just want to connect, I'm always happy to, to connect with whoever it may be. Awesome. Well, thanks a ton for joining, Tony. We'll talk to you soon.